It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Good Tuesday afternoon to you. This is The Call, just in time for us to cover 10 stocks that you've picked with my two expert guests, We'll be here for about 60 minutes or so. And I've got great guests here with me in studio. I love it. Mark Moreland from Team Invest joining me and also Josh Barker from Macro Capital doing the November thing, I can see. All right, well, credit to you for doing that. Um, Okay, so we are in this period of, um, yeah, consternation, I suppose, in markets. Are you guys feeling positive to the end of the year? Yeah, I think um, the US market looks really strong at the minute. Yeah. Um, broke out to a m- monthly high uh, last last session on Friday, um, and then yeah, seemed to seem to hold hold at its ground despite, I guess, a few negative news coming out. So um, yeah, positive from here. Um, just need the ASX to play a bit of catch up. I was expecting a good day yesterday, um, didn't flow through, and uh, yeah, seems to be on a one day delay. So improving market today. All right. Well, we'll see. Now we're getting a drip feed of information coming from companies you know we've got some AGMs happening and mm. some of those companies that report out of cycle yes. are coming through this month as well I yeah. mean are you relatively positive on Aussie yeah. corporates yeah well our companies none of them are looking like they're going to be disappointing okay so well uh, we'll see time will tell but uh, mineral resources next week and so on mm-hmm. which is obviously a big one for us yeah and um, so no positive Good. All right. Well, I like to start with a bit of positivity. Let me just run our viewers through what we're going to be talking about in the next half hour or so. Aristocrat Leisure Magellan Global Fund. We've got Corporate Travel Management, Accent Group in the retail space and Grain Corp. So really a a good sort of breadth of companies there. Um, But the stock of the day today is Telstra. Uh, We have obviously last week's Optus outage sort of you know, casting a pall over that whole telco space. But today the company has held its investor day, reaffirmed its full year guidance, forecasting underlying earnings to be weighted to the second half. CEO Vicky Brady says that the focus will be on improving connectivity as the telco unveils new intercity fiber routes, which include five major routes, as well as an expansion of its fiber connections in the Pilbara region and WA. All right. The project is adding thousands of kilometers to ultra high capacity and ultra low latency connections. So our stock of the day is Telstra. Look, very much blue chip, um, but I thought it was worthwhile doing because, you know, maybe it wasn't this time last week, but last week there was a lot of talk about everybody going over to Telstra, you know, Telstra's networks being overwhelmed by, you know, pay-as-you-go customers coming over mm. from Optus. So is Telstra in a bit of a sweet spot right now? Um, I thought it could be with the, the I guess those those um, Optus outages, um, but I think today's update is obviously having to roll out that strategy. Um, it's you know needed with this expanding population and, and the growth in you know sort of those Pilbara regions, but um, it still is a capital outlay that they're going to have to spend. And I think at the moment um, it's going to be tough to sort of eke out any sort of earnings growth for the company. Um, financial guidance reaffirmed, but they did also say that, um, you know, due to the sort of nature of professional services, largely at the moment, um, that they're not expecting too much growth um, throughout FY24. A little bit sort of back end um, with the um, some of their um, tower tower co um, growth coming through, um, but yeah, just I just don't think it, it's got sort of. Huge capital uplift from a business point of view. Maybe they pick up some some extra retail customers, but the the business segment is still going to struggle. Um, we'd actually prefer Aussie broadband around these levels. Um, higher growth prospects, um, and uh, yeah, recently supported by a capital raise. So I think those prices should should largely hang in there. Yeah, there's a lot of attention put on ABB. You can go there, Mark, or you can start with Telstra. What's the view at Team Invest? Uh, Telstra's a terminal company. It's actually been in long-term decline. When I say terminal, I don't mean it's going to go broke tomorrow because it won't. No. But if you look at it, if you look at its history, it's since for the last six years, it's everything's been dropping. So in fact, return on equity has been going down uh, for ten years, 
and growth is now averaged minus 11% EPS over the last six years. So basically what's happening is they've, they've been, they're shrinking over time, if you, if you like. And that's understandable because they've had a lot of competition from other players and smaller players and so on. And also we don't spend money like we used to on phones. Yeah, well, I, use, I use WhatsApp and all these things, you know, because it doesn't cost anything. So, uh, so the problem with Telstra is that people still people still speaking uh, of phones <laughs> people still say they own it for the dividend well the dividend has been going down as well so the dividend now is 4.3% yield I assume uh, fully frank they're paying out 95% of uh, their profit every year so the dividend sort of held up okay but as the earnings drop that will have to come down over time going forward so the problem is because the earnings aren't growing and they've got a 11% average over the last six years decline in earnings I can give you a buy price to get a 10% return on it. To get 10% return on Telstra, you can't pay more than $1.60, which is less than half of what the current share price is, because it's on a 22 PE, which is ridiculous for uh, a company that's earnings are in decline. Now that's because a lot of people have had it as you know, as you said, blue chip. So there's a lot yeah, of support and it's in a lot of funds, but there's no there's no justification for it. And we've, we're, our models are showing if you bought it today, you're going to lose 8.2% a year average over the next five years. Okay, so that is a avoid for the mm. guys at Team Invest. Would you? I mean, I can't help but note that UBS has a buy. Ordmanet has upgraded mm. to accumulate. Macquarie outperform. Morgan Stanley overweight. Now I know this doesn't do anything for you, but I mean, are they all wrong? Uh, well, they've got a lot of buy recommendations, I'm sure. How many can you put in your portfolio is, okay. is, I guess, the question. So would you hold Telstra if you owned it or would you be selling it to make money in ABB, as you said, as your preferred That's pick? That's exactly what we look to do. Um, yeah, obviously something that's growing as, as opposed to in an earnings decline. Um, <coughs> the yield is not attractive enough over sort of the cash rate at the minute for us uh, to, to hold it just purely for that reason. Mm -hmm. And stability, you know, you can get stability in a lot of other things at the minute. So, yeah, unfortunately, if you're going to be an equity, you need to be in the growth end. Yeah, wow. And that is, I think, a theme that has come to the fore lately. What are you paying to take or getting paid to take on risk, of course, in uh, this high interest rate environment? Okay, so that's Telstra. Not exactly a winner for the stock of the day. All right, let's get to the first company that's been picked by you. And this is for Aaron. And it is Aristocrat Leisure, ALL, is the ticker code. I'm going to start with you on this one, Josh. Um, yeah, so I, it's a company that um, has had an interesting story over the last couple of years. It sort of reached as high as a, at 49 um, and it was trading on a pretty lofty PE at the time. It was a bit of a, a, bit of a market favourite. Um, and then they did a very large capital raise to do the Playtech acquisition. Um, that Playtech acquisition didn't go through, so they were sitting on this very um, large amount of cash that they'd raised from that, but effectively not doing anything with it. So it's sort of been in a downtrend for the last 18 months. Um, showing signs of life again, uh, and it looks like they've um, put that capital to, to good use. Um, so they're looking to acquire uh, the Neo Gains iLottery business for about a billion US. Um, yeah, that seems like a, a really strong company in their, in their most recent presentation to get that passed by shareholders. Um, its revenues have grown by 38% per annum, uh, earnings by 34. And um, yeah, they're still well positioned. Um, after that acquisition to still do a $500 million um, on-market buyback. So, yeah, I think it's uh, yeah doing quite well. Um, you know, they bought that company on a PE of 24, um, Aristocrats PE. Um, oh, sorry, they bought that on a 15 um, PE and, and Aristocrats PE is for, uh, 24. So, you know, it should get that immediate uplift uh, in the valuation of that business they're acquiring. So shareholders should pass that through. And um, yeah, I think this one is poised to have another 10% upside in the share price from here and, and potentially more in the long term as well. So I'd have this one as a buy actually. Ooh, that's a buy for Aristocrat Leisure. Now putting aside ESG, uh, you know, it does have dominance in the land-based casino business. A little bit of a challenge coming through in digital, apparently, according to the yep. company itself. Mm -hmm. um, Long-term wealth winner? Uh, yeah, has been. Uh, generally, as you said about ESG, not so much ESG per se, but a lot of our members say because they're in to poker machines as well and yeah. as part of their business, it's, it, yeah, it doesn't appeal to them. Yeah. But if you look at it on the fundamentals and the financials and so on, no, it definitely passes and has for years. Um, so it's a quality, quality business, has very high stability in, in sales, 92%. Its EPS growth average is 14% and sales matching that with 92% stability. They had a bit of a bump up in COVID. Um, so COVID was good for them. And then 
coming back down in 21, it's now on exactly the same trajectory as it was prior to COVID. So it's like a bump up and then back on the same line, which is really good. Uh, return on equity is 15, which is excellent. We're showing it returning 15% per annum if you bought it today. It's on a 24.9 PE trailing, which is right in the middle of its range. So it's not cheap, uh, but it's also not in the red, which we, you know, the top 25%. So margin of safety, we've got, we're showing 7.4% return, which is still pretty good. It's only paying about 1.5% yield. That's a large part because of the high PE as well. But um, I, I, I think you could buy it now. I'd rather pay a little bit less but you know whether it'll okay. go down oh, I don't actually own it no so. yeah okay so, you... so at the moment well I can tell you what the price a good rule of thumb for us is if you can get a 10% return on a margin of safety you're going to do a lot better than that and the 10% price is $50.56 and it's currently uh, actually what am I saying sorry 15 uh, am I on the right company or risk credit default here we go 36.64 yep would give, would give you a our very conservative view, 10% return on equity, 10% return uh, on your investment and on the high end, it'd be 20 plus. Okay, so... So that's not far off where it is now. Not far off. Would no. you buy it today if you didn't have exposure and you were looking for something that will be quality? No. No? No, only because I'm not in a hurry. I yeah. don't, you know. Okay. That's... But, it's, but it's, it's, it's good. It's a good company. Okay, so that is a risk. I'm willing for it to say it could be an Ausbiz buy if if uh, if that's if it's a, if it's unanimous. <laughs> oh my goodness, you're leaving it up to me. Well, I'm going to say no, it's not a buy because okay. you would like to get it cheaper, Good. and it's possible that you could get it cheaper. Yeah, I dare say. Um, you happy with that, Josh? Yeah. Okay. All right. Just want everybody to get dollars. along. Okay. The next one on the list. Oh, this is getting wonky already, isn't it? And this is the Magellan Global Fund. So this is stock number two. Asking why is MGF so much under the NAV, so net asset value, like many other similar funds? Is it going to change if it becomes open? So not to be confused with Magellan Financial Group. This is one of Magellan's listed funds, yeah. right? So um, can we go to address any of the questions that have been posed? Well, to the best I can, because it's not something we really get yeah. into, of course, but the it's a it's a closed, it's a listed fund. So basically you're buying shares in, in the listed entity. Yeah. And they are typically, they do typically trade at uh, discounts, just like the REITs often do as well. Yeah. So maybe Josh can expand on that more on why that happens. Uh, there is a, a, a activist investor who is trying to get them to delist it. Now, if they delisted it and made it an open fund, so like a normal normal um, uh, ETF or a normal fund, there would be a gain in there of substance of what that discount is because you could sell you could sell the holdings. Mm-hmm. That's the argument. That's why the pressure's on because they if they if Magellan then um, opened the fund, t- delist it, it should increase shareholder value significantly. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't actually know why they why they discount. Do you know why they are, Josh? Well, the old the, the old saying: there's there's more sellers than buyers at the minute, so potentially a, re, uh, a mispricing um, for people that want to get involved in it and are happy to pay up for it's it's, it's been an underperforming fund, so it doesn't seem like anyone wants to necessarily get involved yeah. in it on market. It's probably got a bit of the uh, woes from yeah. Magellan attached yeah. to it as well, because people assume yeah. that it's. it's and by the way, its performance has been terrible. Mm-hmm. So it's only been listed for two years. So if I look at it on Conscious Investor, their return on equity was negative 14 last year, which means they must have lost 14% so for the year. So it's it does it looks pretty grim, <laughs> but it's only two years. So there's not enough data to draw conclusions about. But yeah. that doesn't help your price. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so if you were, and I'm just sort of looking for the name, uh, sorry, um, would you be looking at this fund to gain exposure to a global thematic? And this is, I just don't have the person's name, apologies. Um, what do you think? Uh, I don't I don't think I'd, I'd go into this one or I'd even look to exit, to be honest, because, yeah, even even sort of it, its own benchmark of, you know, targeting around 9%, which is what the MSCI Global Index has done on average. Uh, it's underperformed that by, by almost half. Uh, it's came, come in at 4.9% since it started. Um, you're very much backing Magellan's stock picking and research, mm-hmm. which has almost been in a bit of a vortex at the minute. Um, and also you're paying, 
you know, pretty decent uh, management fees and performance fees if they were to occur um, on this. So I'd very much rather sort of get involved in an index fund that would skew towards what you're looking for. Um, throughout the start of the year, you know, we were exposed to the FANG ETF. Um, we've since, since rolled that into QUS, which is all 500 companies equally weighted. So I think there's ways that you can cheaply and effectively get exposure to those US markets uh, without taking on stock picker risk, if you will. Mm -hmm. mm. Okay, so you would be selling that. Would you be selling out? Yes. Yep. Okay, so that is a hard sell for Magellan Global Fund. And that was for Valer, Valerie, I think, Valerie. Apologies for that. All right, let's get to number three on the list. And this is corporate travel management. So this is for Charles, who says, I've had this on my watch list for some time. He reckons it has good growth prospects, a relatively low PE for the growth on offer, strong cash flow, and below consensus fair value. Yet most analysts, Charles says, don't want to call it a buy. He wants to know what he's missing. So what do you think, Mark, for corporate travel management? Um, we, uh, we very much like um, corporate travel. Uh, I was lucky enough to buy it in um, about buy back into it at, at, during COVID when it dropped. So I'm very happy. Yeah. Uh, the company has, the, it's nearly, its earnings are nearly back to where they were pre-COVID. But the more interesting part is that the the business is nearly double the size of what it was going into COVID. They bought, they made acquisitions, acquisitions in the US, which gave them much better geographic coverage. And they know the companies very well. So they're very, I think, very safe bolt-on acquisitions, even though they're large. And so the business is twice as big. So my view is that once they, we're back to full normal postcode, we're not there yet. It's getting there fairly qu quickly now. Um, their earnings should be, all things equal, double what they were pre-COVID. So even though the PE, I would argue, is not that low at the moment, it's, um, it's, they, are back, they are back profitable. They've turned the corner. They will be in a very strong position going forward. So um, I think it's a buy. Buy today. Thank yep. you. What do you think, corporate travel? Yeah, there's a lot, a lot, uh, a lot to like that that's um, been announced to the market, but hasn't necessarily flowed through uh -huh. with the, the UK government contracts. Um, it, a lot of it seems to be priced in as well. It seems like uh, it's a bit of a trader stock, so it's very sort of um, impatient investors as well. And a lot of this stuff is isn't flowing through until you know another 12 to 18 months um, so it's all good stuff like the uh, you know sort of UK uh, contracts um, they actually had a bit of a cash flow hit because of that uh, in, their, in their most recent um, numbers but that was just a timing issue because basically they had to pay it first and then the UK government's paid them back after July so uh, you haven't seen any of the earnings come through for that um, but yeah, no, it's it, it's meant to do um, you know a lot of sort of expansion out of Europe. That's meant to be there. That's been one of their strongest segments, and it's meant to continue for the next year. Um, you know, with all those contracts um, coming into the business, their revenues and or their earnings are set to double. However, that brings it back down to a PE of around yeah 16, 17 when that does occur. So it's kind of already been priced in largely. Um, I do think it does um, you know do well from here. Um, we'd be happy to hold it. Um, however, it's just not as compelling with a buy right now because those things aren't going to come into effect. Um, mm. So yeah, and, and look, the, the company is doing a buyback, so they're, they're cashed up mm. as well. They're also poised to make further acquisitions. So I definitely think on a you know sort of two to three year time frame, it does really well. Um, but you're probably not going to see a lot of those material changes come through to the business over the next you know, six to 12 anyway. And that's a fair comment. And we, we work on rolling five years. Yeah. So when I look at it on a five year basis, exactly what you said, the PE, we're showing 31 at the moment. PE prior to COVID ranged for, typically from lows of about 21 to highs of 40, you know, 45. Yeah. So, and its growth rate should resume to what it was, which is quite strong. So if it does, yeah. then it will prove to be a very good investment on a five year rise. But I agree with you, it's still, it's at least another year away from starting, getting above uh, the earnings strongly mm. from what they were pre-COVID. So are you willing to pay the price today to buy corporate travel management? Um, yeah, definitely at these prices. Um, you're just going to have to, you know, yeah, be, patient be patient with it a little bit. So that's kind of, it's a really good question. You know, what am I missing? Um, the answer is it's just going to take a little while for it to come through. Okay. Thanks, guys. So that's corporate travel. That's a double buy. 
for today. First one so far. Let's get to the next on the list, which is Accent Group, and this has been picked by Ravi. Now, I do recall reading a RBC Capital, a small cap、uh, note on retailers, and they actually had Accent as their pick of the bunch. Now, clearly, retail is challenged. Clearly, consumers are being challenged, but. We do still spend, and we have still been spending,、mm. right? So, is Accent a quality retailer that will be able to withstand some of the pressures that are being put through on pocketbooks?、Uh, yeah, I think so.、Um, however, I'm not compelled to buy retail stock at the minute. So,、um, yeah, even even you know we had that RBA hike leading into Christmas. There potentially might be another one.、Um, you know, the the consumer confidence came out pretty dented on the back of that,、um, and we're starting to see. You know, a pretty big shift in in consumer spending as well.、Um, you know, it's always difficult to say what people are going to do over Christmas, but it, it's probably going to be a lean Christmas for a lot of people. So,、um, yeah, no rush to sort of、um, allocate into any retail stocks. However, this is obviously a really strong one. It sort of appeals to a more resilient part of the market,、mm-hmm. being the the younger demographic and 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 sort of in that that shoe area,、um, a lot with a lot of their businesses. And it's been growing really strongly.、Um, you know, earnings growth of seventy percent just recently.、Um, it's a really strong business. You know, you, you're paying up for it. Everyone's aware that this is a strong business,、um, <coughs> and they are willing to pay up for it. So it's probably going to trade on a high PE for for a long period of time. And then, yeah, potentially when、uh, the market does look to regulate, and、uh, you know, retail stocks are back in favour, this is probably on your shortlist. Okay, so watch list material, but just、yeah. not yet.、Um, Accent Group. I mean, they've got really strong brands, really yeah. strong brands. Yeah. And、uh, I mean, is it a well-run retailer in your view? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's Accent Group is、um, definitely a wealth winner for Team Invest. A lot、yeah. of our members are shareholders, including me. Oh yeah. Yeah. So no, very happy. I, the, the only thing I would disagree with, I think retail has been sold down、uh, more than is justified based on the expectations of、uh, bad, poor consumer behaviour or the effects of interest rates and so on. And at the moment, Accent Group's at a P of thirteen,、uh, trailing thirteen times, but its actual its actual、um, growth rates are averaging fourteen percent. So it's very close to a peg of one if you want to use that old language. Um, and it's in the low end of its green, you know, which is the bottom quartile of its PE range. So the trouble is, if you say I won't invest in retail until the sky gets clearer and we see that it's all fine, because these guys' earnings、uh, did come down、uh, through COVID, but they actually cleaned out a lot of stuff and, and did some re- rationalisation of stores, all sorts of stuff. The actual operating earnings of the business are very strong. So there hasn't been, and by the way, that's true of Nick Scarly, JB Hi-Fi as well. So there's not, there hasn't been anything like a real impact negatively on their earnings anyway. So in other words, the market has assumed it, they've priced accordingly, but it hasn't even happened. So it's in the price already. So the trouble is, if you wait, you'll miss out because the price will jump up really quickly and 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 it'll get re-rated. So we're showing、uh, we're showing we're showing Accent Group at the moment moment returning 17.8 per year over the next、uh, five years on on our default settings. Which is really good,、uh-huh. and about eight point six on a margin of safety, which is just under ten. So if I wanted to go for my ten percent argument, I was I was mentioning before, then you would have a target price of、um, a a dollar ninety two, and it's currently two o four. So it's it's so close to、um, a margin of safety argument. We like that just because that just gives you a lot more comfort. And I think that's already factoring in、uh, an effect on their business,、mm-hmm. on their earnings. So today it is trading at two dollars and four. Buy. buy it. There you go. Thanks, guys. Motoring right along. That's this is not. This is very unusual for me, isn't it? <laughs> I know. That's okay. I think we're I running.、Like、I think we're running out though. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's <laughs> see what happens next. So Asher is、uh, the fifth stock that's on the list, and that is GNC. That's Grain Corp. Look, there was a lot around elders yesterday, and there was some sort of.、Uh, A report coming from GNC on.、Uh, oh, I'm not even going to dig myself into a hole, but I think it's the 16th of November. Yeah. Okay. All right.、But、they do like to change them sometimes. Yeah. Course, yeah.、So. Okay. So、um, look,、uh, GNC obviously at the mercy of weather, obviously at the mercy、yeah. of price、um, and and demand, as most businesses are. But what do you think of of the fundamentals? Yeah. Not not not、um, too much to go on in terms of a recent update. Obviously, it's been. You know, five months and twenty-seven days so far、uh, until until we've really seen a fundamental update. But yeah, when when they did update the market,、um, it was it was strong.、Um, the stock moved higher、uh, in in that May update. 
um, guidance they increased um, to sort of EBITDA of 500 to 560 million. That, that came up from uh, 470 to 530. So you're expecting that to be at the top end of the range if you know they were happy to upgrade that guidance uh, well over that sort of 530 mark. Um, they did talk a lot about their report five months ago about the good weather conditions being quite, um, you know, a lot of rain around. Um, that's obviously sort of sentiment around that has, has shifted, although was surprised to see the eldest report quite strong leading into mm-hmm. sort of, you know, what's meant to be quite dry weather conditions. So they could definitely be hurt from this. Um, you know, the UM, they do own a, a portion of UMG takeover, so that's uh, going to flow through. Decent price, $5 plus, sort of came through for there, so that'll assist their balance sheet as well, help them sort of smooth out any sort of, um, you know, volatility in the agricultural sector, which is always there. Um, but definitely for this one, I'd be looking to wait until the report, uh, and then I'd make the decision then. Um, don't want to invest on, on okay. six-month-old data. Right. Well, I was not losing my mind. Grain Corp has put out its 2023-24 harvest tracker. So it says that, uh, you know, grain receivals data from its upcountry sites across Queensland, New South Wales and Victoria. Good predictor of the first half full year results. Um, key takeaways are that the grain total, yeah, is looking pretty good. Um, this is just coming from the harvest. RBC Capital Markets putting Grain Corp as an underperform just because of the dry weather conditions coming for the next 12 to 18 months below average production for the year. That's a thing. It all comes down to the weather. That's right. Would you be buying Grain Corp? No. So look, the problem with Grain Corp is it's a very difficult business and, it, and it's, all, it's never going to be, it's not like a growth business where they can actually materially grow the business every year. What they are doing is they are acting as, they're, they're, they're selling the grain and so on. And there's obviously various aspects to that, how good the weather's been, how much there is, what the market price is, all these variables. And if you look at the history of Grain Corp from 2013 to 221, it's basically flat to down slightly. So in other words, they did nothing for all those years. And then we had this massive leap up in 21 where their, uh, their, their profit shot up. And to give you an example, the return on equity went from 6.8 08 to 27. So, and as a consequence, the PEs come right down. So it's currently at 2.9, which on the surface sounds really cheap, but it's not. And the market's being sensible in that saying, well, hang on, this is not sustainable. And they had a, they shot the lights out. They might have another reasonable year, but then what's going to happen, it'll turn back down. So the market's not increasing the PE to up to what it was before, which is sensible. This is a, this is a point where people are being realistic about it. Um, so, no, I wouldn't touch it because we want to be, what we're looking for is as much predictability as we can in what the returns are going to be. So when you have a, a price taker that is also has all the weather and all the other complications and has just shot the lights out with a fantastic year, which is great. Remember Elders? We had, we had, we had Elders in, CEO, and they had like the best year they've ever had. And I said, does it get better than this? And he basically said, this is about as good as it gets. I go, well, that's a sell. <laughs> so, if, if that's the case. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. So we're going to be avoiding Grain Corp. Yeah. And you're right. 16th of November is when they release their results. Okay, guys, believe it or not, that brings us to the halfway point. Let me sum up what we have learned so far. So let's get to the stock of the day being Telstra. It's a sell for the team at Macro Capital. Um, ABB is the preferred pick of the bunch. Uh, look, earnings growth is going to be tough in Josh's view. And um, look, Mark called it a terminal company, not that it's going to go bust, but long-term that it's been decline. a long-term structural We've decline. We've been saying that for 10 years, by the way. Yeah, yeah okay. And it's been correct. Good for you. So it's an avoid for the team, a team invest. Okay, let's get to Aristocrat. Look, quality company. It's been passing the filters for years at Team Invest. Would prefer, though, to buy it somewhere around 3664 actually to be exact. So that's a watch list for the team invest peeps. And for the macro capital, well, Josh sees 10% upside coming from here. It's a buy for them. Uh, Magellan Global Fund, it's a hard sell for both of my guests. And uh, if you go back and listen, you can always do that. Josh has named a few ETFs, QUS is one, in which you can get exposure to the global thematic with a lot less uh, fees and a lot less risk as well. All right, corporate travel management, that is our first double buy of the day. Uh, just maybe a one for the patient, you're not gonna see uptick right away because a lot of their strategy has yet to roll through, but um, yeah, looking like a good 
company on offer today. Accent Group watch list for Josh, not willing to dip the toe into the retailers just yet with the macro environment, but it's a buy for Mark. He says, if you wait, then you're going to miss it. And Grain Corp, it's an avoid for the team in guys at Team Invest and for Macro Capital. Look, Josh wouldn't be getting into it. It's so, you know, you wait for the next report to come out on the 16th of November, in fact. Okay, so that is uh, the halfway mark. Um, Let's see how the portfolio is performing. So far, we're up by about 6.6% on a cumulative return basis since March 2022. So if you'd like us to consider a stock, can you please? let us know. We're very happy to cover them and we get to them all in time. We try to keep a little bit of uh, variety in the episodes and play to our guests' strength as well. Okay, so with that in mind, what is coming up? We've got Polynovo, we have EnviroSuite, we have Fletcher Building, we have Net Wealth Group, and we have Link Administration. Um, so why don't we start with PNV, Polynovo, and I'm going to start with you, Josh, for this one. Um, yeah, I think it's a really strong company when you're sort of um, looking at these biotechs, which can be tough. You're buying two things, you're buying the product and you're buying management. Um, seems like they've obviously, you know, sort of got a great track record, this company. They've gone from a million in sales a month to, to five million in about three years. Um, they recently got that FDA approval for the Novasorb, which is a 500 mil addressable market. Um, you know, very strong product in the market at the minute as well. Um, and the new CEO, uh, former president of Johnson Johnson, comes comes with a lot of experience to build on that already pretty strong track record from this company. So, um, yeah, it's it's a company that's um, had strong sales, strong revenues coming through. So, it's uh, at the top end of your sort of biotech uh, risk profile, but definitely still pretty high on the on the on the risk spectrum so um, have it as a, a spec spec buy uh, it's very volatile you want to try and pick it up when it's cheap and uh, I think at the minute it's uh, looking like that's the case so okay. spec buy at the moment so there is with all of these um, sort of med tech biotechs a lot of anticipation a lot of expectation on commercialization do you think the market might be at times want to get ahead of itself when it comes oh, to expectations definitely. yeah <laughs> definitely um, Look, the, the problem I've got with it is they've, they've got a 10-year history and it's a billion-dollar market cap company, so it's not like a tiddler, and yet they touched break-even in 2022 and then fell back heavily into a loss again in, in uh, 23. The sales have been growing reasonably steadily um, and over the last five years, six years, which is encouraging, but they're yet to, to show that they can make money. So regardless of how they've been going at a product level, from a business point of view, it's been a pain, long, painful journey for shareholders, and they, they're still losing, return on equity is negative 8%, which means they're basically losing 8% of their equity a year. And as a consequence, they've raised quite a lot of capital. So they've over the 10 years, they started off at $418 million, uh, million shares, rather, and now they're 690. So they've that's what they're doing. They've been selling uh, selling shares to give them extra capital, otherwise they would have run out of money. Now, there's a limit to how far you can go with that. I think 10 years is long enough that you should have uh, been able to prove you can make it work, because it would have had a private life prior to that. But it's not investable from our point of view, because you are relying on the story and the theory, the theory that they will be able to commercialize these uh, very useful products they've got, devices, and make, make a profit, but they're yet to do it. Okay, so you would not, as a general rule, be not investing in yeah. any. We're company. only investing in profitable businesses. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, so, so you're always looking for the profit. Yeah. So right away, that rules. Yeah, and rules if it you out. think about it, with these biotech companies, every now and then, you know, one does do well, but we we don't try and pick it at the speculative end. We wait till they start actually making a profit, and then you can value it. Then you can get on. Then so you you lose some of the the early gains, but you don't lose your capital, which is what happens with most of these. So this isn't a void for now. It yes. needs to become yeah, until profitable. Yeah, it proves itself. Yeah, it's got to prove itself. That's for you, Phil. Phil, I forgot to do my reminder. This is information only. This is not financial advice. So if you need to get some advice, do so. And you need to do your own research when it comes to these companies. Over here, guys. There you go. Um, let's get to the next company that's on the list. And this is for George. And this is EnviroSuite. And um, look, it's trading at just, I mean, this is a, this is a minnow of a company. Um, lots of people like the thematic, though, because it's got you know, environmental management technology, so it can um, you know, help companies, help businesses manage their environmental um, output and footprint. So it's environmental intelligence is basically the tagline. Um, are you familiar with the company, Josh? Uh, not prior to today, yeah. no. Um, seems so like were you thrilled with one. it? 
Um, not overly. I, I think obviously just to build on uh, Mark's point earlier about sort of profit um, making companies, this sort of is in that category. So they've just sort of switched to uh, EBITDA positive of about 500 grand in their most recent report. Uh, but up until then, they were a loss making venture. Um, still, I uh, assess the profitability is still negative. So they've just been a little bit too late um, to, to make that switch, I believe. So, you know, the, the time to do that was six to 12 months ago when, when all the sort of big players were doing it. And uh, yeah, it's not easy to, to implement for everyone, um, but I guess that shows um, the ability and the, the variation. Look, it, it seems okay, the revenues have been increasing. Um, it seems that all of their revenues are basically reoccurring. So they have sort of the B2B relationships with aviation, mining, industrial companies um, to help them make better decisions from an ESG perspective. However, with a lot of the pressures on, you know, sort of costs, um, ESG's not been a big focus for investors in the last 12 months, where it has been sort of in a post-COVID world. Uh, you know, the, the pressures on, um, you know, margins and, you know, those things on consumers. So yeah, I think for this one, um, it is quite low, but we still would look to sell it at around six cents. We've got a, a fair value of it around three cents. Okay, ooh, three cents, got yeah. it. Um, EnviroSuite, I cannot imagine that the guys at Team Invest, the people at Team Invest would be overly thrilled with this one. But what it does is interesting. I mean, it works with airport authorities. It works on um, Well, actually, it's data. got a 10-year history. Yeah. And it's it's actually their revenue, even their sales now, are significantly lower than what they were in 2014, which is not a good look when they've been in. <laughs> so this is the trouble with thematics. When people invest, but they go, oh, oh, ESG is a big thing. This is an ESG type company, therefore we'll invest in it. It's like saying lithium is good, let's buy, let's invest in lithium. You need to look at the business, the underlying businesses that run these things. And within any, it, with any thematic, even if it's a really big theme, it doesn't mean everybody makes money. There'll be winners and losers within that. And so far, these guys are losers. So they haven't. Uh, there's nothing there that would get you excited. It's it's not losing a massive amount of money. Only about eight percent a year. It's 75 million market cap though. It's quite small. And as, as they've had 10 years, I don't know what they're doing. And we wouldn't waste our time looking at it. Okay. So this is just a total avoid yeah. yes. for EnviroSuite. George, I can't get more clear than that from both of my guests. All right, let's get to the next stock. So this is stock number eight. This is Fletcher Building, and this is picked by Cara. Now, every time ruining season rolls around, I'm always pleased to speak with Fletcher Buildings as CEO because they're really at the coalface, you know, yep. coalface of the resi market, coalface of um, building supplies <clears throat> as well, and uh, also exposure here in Australia as well as New Zealand. Um, but look, it's been a bit challenged for Fletcher Building as mm. of late. Um, however, uh, you know, it does have a lot of sort of different veins that it can work in. Mm. Is this sort of a diversified exposure to the uh, to the whole construction building residential thematic? Yeah, it, it's an interesting sort of subsegment. You know, we've got the the pressures on on the housing market at the moment um, with undersupply. Um, so you know, you're sort of open to, you know, sort of building and construction, but they face their own issues with, you know, sort of lack of workers and, you know, project starts being a lot lower um, due to that. And also the input costs have been extremely volatile over the last couple of years. So uh, it's interesting one. Look, for us, we would um, look to sort of play the bigger end of the market. This one seems uh, like it's been really consistent in paying a strong yield. However, it's given up a little bit of the capital growth with the last, uh, last two recent gaps down. Uh, on news as well. So uh, yeah, it's paying about 7%, no franking. Um, we, our preferred name, and the, you know, we've got the sort of, um, you know, off-season report at the moment, yeah. and it's been good for <laughs> agricultural stocks. It's also been good for building companies. Um, James Hardy and Borrell have both had a good updates in the last week. Um, our preferred name is, is CSR at the minute, um, due to the focus on the, the detached buildings and obviously having that um, sort of, you know, almost uh, dominance in, in the market share at the minute. So uh, it also does yield um, comparable levels to, to this company and is a lot larger, and I think has more of those growth prospects uh, in the near term from a share price point of view. So um, yeah, I'd be happy to sort of hold this one, um, you know, keep sticking in there for that uh, dividend yield. But yeah, our, our preferred name is, is CSR in this space. 
Thank you. What about you, Mark? Uh, it's a very difficult area, and uh, the, it's difficult. a bit like some of the big contracting firms in Australia in, in mining services. They tend to be good, they're bad, they're good, they're bad. Now, if you look at Fletcher, their their sales over the last decade have, uh, or the last six years, have averaged one percent growth. So at least it's flat. But if you overlay earnings on that, they had massive crashes in eighteen, then it jumped up in nineteen, crashed in nineteen twenty, and then since then it's looked okay. So the problem is, how do you predict the future? So if their sales held up and their earnings dropped, that infers mispricing of jobs or whatever. You know, things went wrong. You know, so it's not like the sales dropped where there, were, there wasn't the same activity. The activity was there, but they couldn't convert that into profit. So the, it's, it's at 8.9 PE, which is in the green for them. So that looks okay. However, it fails on stability for us, which has a 36% uh, stability rate, we need at least 65, and that's because of those massive drops in earnings. So because of that, we'd fail it because we can't look forward confidently and say, I believe the earnings will be uh, growing over the next five years, because I wouldn't have a clue. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's a void. So it's an avoid for mm. Fletcher Building. Um, look, I'm going to just take a little bit of a pause here because I've had a viewer email in. I do look at my email sometimes when we're live. And I thought, why not, Mark? I'll put you on the spot. This is coming from Les saying, uh, if time allows, appreciate it if you could ask Mark Moreland the following. Exactly what is return on equity? And how is high return on equity realized by the investor when the stock price is trending down? So maybe just a little bit of a one-on-one -on, -one on ROE. All right. Okay. So, Do you mind? So the equity in the business is share of the capital that they're using. So you're saying, what's the return on that? So if they make, um, if ten, they get 10% return on equity, it means they're making a 10% profit after tax on the equity that's utilized in the business. So if you uh, look at return on capital, it includes debt. Mm -hmm. uh, as uh, as well, so we look at we look at both measures. The reason we do it is that the return on equity and Buffett's uh, often said that it's like a, virtually a speed limit for the business. So if you assume you look into the future five years, if the return on equity is ten percent and it's the same PE ratio now as in five years time, the business can't make more than ten percent equity, all things being equal. So it's a it's a limit to the growth of the business under normal circumstances. So we want a high return on equity. Buffett's always said he won't invest in any. It won't look at anything that has less than 10%, uh, which is the same as what we do, but we like 20 or more. And a lot of good companies have 30 or uh, as well. Okay. It doesn't mean you make 30, but it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a key, easy indicator that anyone can look at. Okay. So return on equity. And the second part, um, if the stock price is trending down, does return on equity still Re Return on equity, well, the, the, um, the return on equity will go up. Because the PE ratio is going down, yeah, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So but that doesn't necessarily so, so, so mean that it's yes. more quality. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So it's not a measure you'd compare to, though. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So mm. there you go. A little okay. bit of live Q and A for you there, Les. The thank you for writing in. I did put pressure on you, but I knew you could handle it, Mark. <laughs> Come on. You've been talking about return on equity me for a decade. All right. Uh, let's get to the next uh, company that is on the list, picked by our guests, our viewers, I should say. This is for Alfonso. Ninth stock is Net Wealth Group, NWL. Yeah, so there's a couple of really key players in the space. Yeah. Hub24, Net Wealth. Um, is Net Wealth your pick? Um, well, those two are definitely gaining market share on the others. Um, I think it was AMP um, and uh, a couple of the other older ones, I think maybe Comsec or something like that, that's sort of been giving up ground to these, these newer, um, you know, more technological um, platforms. So, you know, they, they have uh, had an increase uh, in, in their funds under management, which is how, how, they, make their, how they make their revenues. Um, however, it did get sold off uh, on that announcement. So it seemed like a, like a strong, strong announcement. Um, however, you know, it did uh, give up a lot of ground. It's recovered since. Um, but I just think yeah, a bit of a warning sign around that. For us, um, it's not something that we would invest in. We would be more um, looking to sort of have stock picks rather than something that just benefits from sort of funds uh, under management. Um, the re revenues are really recurring and the funds, funds are sticky, um, but yeah, sort of growing their, their fund uh, at about 6, 6% um, you know, in 12 month periods. So yeah, not huge growth uh, in the company, but um, yeah, solid nevertheless. Okay, so you would hold it if you had it? Hold it as a hold, yeah. Okay, and what about you, Mark, when it comes to net wealth? Um, it's actually um, 
quite an interesting business. It passes everything. So as far as uh, conscious investors concerned, the only the only thing that's an issue, and let's talk about uh, return on equity. Return on equity is 54% and return on capital is 49. Why the difference? They must have a little bit of debt. Yeah. <laughs> Not much. Yeah. So, so both numbers are spectacular. EPS growth rate's been running at 17% a year average for the last 10 years at 96% stability. So we like stability on earnings because mm-hmm. then it's more predictable going yep. forward. Having said that, the question is, is it worth 50 PE? And the 50 PE is actually in the bottom quartile. That's actually relatively low for net wealth on what its range is. Its range goes up to 65 plus. So it's it's low on the assumption that their EPS growth, what's that? The EPS growth rate is 17%. If they keep that going, what is a realistic PE in five years time? Because that's a key question you'd have to ask if you're going to buy it now. So you could buy it now based on all the, the uh, business metrics, but if the PE, terminal PE ends up being 25, you know, because the market's now uh, with interest rates and so on, the big PE stocks are coming down, that'll smash your returns. That's the problem. So high PE stocks are dangerous in an environment where interest rates are going up unless the growth justifies it. And I don't think 17% growth, while it's excellent, justifies a 50 PE. Mm-hmm. If it's 25, uh, I'd say it's a buy. So it's a great business. Uh, and then the other big question is, uh, going forward, you're at Hub24, uh, they've got other competitors in the same place. They're doing well. How much... How long is this market going to last? Because what we're looking at is a, a fragmentation of the market with the banks pulling out of advisory and so on, and a lot of people having to buy new systems, not to mention the fund management side, which is, but I'm talking about platforms. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much growth left in that? I have no idea. You know, so going forward in, in five years, can they keep growing at 70% a year? I don't know. Probably, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so that's in so reason I'd, I'd enough. I'd say it's a hold. I wouldn't sell it. Yeah. I think it's a very it's an excellent business. Uh, it's just that I don't have enough visibility. We have looked at it once, and we had an incl- inconclusive view on it. Okay. With so, members, and that meant obviously they didn't know. There's too many things they didn't know. And so that's reason enough for yeah. you to look for yeah. opportunity yeah. elsewhere. We're looking, yeah, we want to be really confident. Yeah. Okay. All right. So it's a hold for net wealth from both of my yeah. guests here in studio. Let's get to the last on the list. And this is link administration. This is for Abby. Abby hasn't given us any context as to why we're looking at link administration or if she already owns it. So when you write in to request your stocks, you can always just give us a little bit of an insight Mm. if you so desire, just because it helps us kind of figure out if it's something that we should be buying or holding on to or adding to a position. Um, But that being said, uh, so link administration sort of, you know, same vein, you could say, as NetWealth Hub 24. Mm. Um, would you need a link in a portfolio? Yeah, well, I'll probably compare it the most to, to ComputerShare. Yeah. Um, and if you look at the chart for, for both of those stocks, um, they're going in, in the total opposite direction. Um, they're share registries that benefit from a higher interest rate environment because they're holding on to, you know, many of the capital for IPOs, um, share placements. Um, dividends as well before distributing to shareholders. So, you know, they're companies that actually make a lot more earnings in a uh, high interest rate Mm -hmm. environment. And and computer share has been a a huge beneficiary of that. Because they've been a beneficiary of that, it's it's really delivered shareholder return. Their earnings have been growing. You know, they're they're in a really good position now. Um, However, Link is the total opposite of that. You know, they've had uh, a few company specific issues with the the fund um, seemingly going under. Um, so that's created a massive hit to them. Um, so, you know, during this time over the last 12 months, and, and it probably will be around for another 12 months, this high interest rate environment, um, they haven't really capitalised and been able to capitalise on that. So now they're not in a good position to, to take advantage of, of new segments in the market and reinvest that capital or pay shareholder returns. They can't do any of that like potentially a, a, a computer share could. So um, yeah, look, still have it as a sell. Unfortunately, I, I can't see a turnaround in this company happening uh, over the next 12 months. So I'd, I'd look to put it uh, elsewhere. Okay, so um, does have high recurring revenue I, I, I was very surprised at this company. I've never looked at it. Really? But I would have thought um, what they're in, as, as Josh said, you know, they're like computer share. They're in a, a, an area of the business which should be very reliable, very reliable and very sticky, and you would expect them to be profitable. I didn't. I, now, you can look at ASX. ASX has always been profitable, but it's always been on a ridiculously high PE for its rate of earnings growth. But 
Point is, you should be, you should be making money. These guys aren't. <laughs> and they've got very, very high level of debt and they lost 38 million last year. And it's sort of been a, a long, slow slide since 2017 with a big drop uh, from COVID and it's kept going down. Uh, we're showing the EPS negative 52% is their average over the last six years and um, with 27% stability. So there's absolutely nothing in this company that would get me excited. Yeah, I think it also made some sort of a misstep in the UK market. Um, yeah. Again, this is, I'm just going by memory, I can't right. really remember, but it's also had to sell off a couple of its arms. Like I think that there's- Another reason not to buy it. Yeah, I can. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's examples of why they've done badly. Mm-hmm. But management at the end of the day, I mean, this, this kind of business should be really solid. At the very least, it should be profitable. And it's not. No. So I'd sell it. Okay. I think on the back of that, with the, it was it was the the Wolford uh, retail investment fund that went under, and there's the potential that the UK authorities enforce uh, linked to pay around 400 million out to investors in compensation. So um, I'm not sure where they get that money from if they're already sort of losing shareholders earnings. So yeah, from shareholders to give to other shareholders. So yeah, it, it's it's going to be really tough for them moving forward on with that as well. So Abby, again, don't know what your context was, but if you were thinking it maybe was looking like a bargain. Apparently our guests here in studio today do not think so. So proceed with much caution. And as I said, this is information only. This is not financial advice. Okay, we are at the time when we summarize what we've learned. So Polly Novo, it is a specy buy for the team at Macro Capital. Looking good now, but it is high on the risk spectrum, but it's not profitable, so it is a no-go for Mark Moreland and Team Invest, especially considering it does have a decade of history on the boards. EnviroSuite, it's an avoid for Team Invest. Again, 10 years of listing, um, but still posting losses. And the losses are what um, Josh just can't get past either. Even though revenues are increasing, uh, it's not a profitable business. That's not where you wanna be right now. Uh, So Fletcher Building, it is um, pretty good for dividend yield. That's why Josh would hold it. But CSR is his preferred pick in that building and uh, residential space, but it's an avoid for Mark and Team Invest. Net wealth, it's a hold for both of my guests. So Mark says it is an excellent business, but lots of uncertainty going forward, whether or not it can justify this PE going forward. And um, yeah, just a hold for the team at Macro Capital. And then Link, you've just heard it. We ended on a bit of a downer. It's a sell for both of my guests, but I do hope that helps. Um, Listen, it is just, we're just a day away, one sleep away, let's call it that, from Small Caps Big Ideas 2023, bigger, better, faster. Uh, 10 of Australia's leading small cap fund managers, one high conviction idea, and we've got a real rapid fire episode of Micro micro Caps thrown in there as well. So you can still register, osbiz.co forward slash small caps 23. I would like to thank my guests for their time and expertise. The show, Mark Moreland from Team Invest and Joshua Barker from Macro Thanks Capital. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. As always, and thank you for sending us your picks and sending us emails as we're on air. You can do so to the call at osbiz.com.au and you can also send those stock picks to osbiz.co forward slash call picks. We'll take a bit of a break, but don't go anywhere because we'll get you across what the market is doing here and now next. <laughs> 